Hey guys, welcome once again to Bagden Broadcast, episode number 365. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that normally comes to you in three ways. The first being the Week in Geek, covering the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list, the comic books that we are looking forward to that are not coming out the 28th of February, 2018. And we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week we've got a special double-sized edition of the Monthly Look Back, because we're going to be looking back at the books that came out in January and February of 2018. And some of them we're going to talk about again, but you didn't hear that because I messed up and I forgot to hit record for the first two books that we talked about. So we're starting fresh, guys. And you wow. missed some great banter. Uh, we'll have so some better banter now. Yeah. We're going to have rushed banter. We're but gonna, but we're going to get straight to the point more. The thing is, though, guys, we are talking about ten books right now on this episode. How are we going to make the time to do that? Uh, by drinking? Oh, by not... Well, I was going to say, but by cutting everything that we oh. normally do, like the list. Oh, we already did that. Geek. No, no, we didn't mention it this time. It must we have been it last, last time. time. Yeah. It was last time. But hey, it's okay. At least you got some beer you can enjoy while we're uh, redoing it all. That's right. In a beer we've already finished and moved on from is Equilibrium, Harvester of Simcoe. Uh, Equilibrium comes out of Middleton, New York. This is a double IPA at 8.8. And that beer was... Fantastic. I'm looking up uh, Middleton right now. Middle, Middleton? Middletown? Yes. Yeah. Middletown? Mid Middletown or Middleton? Town. Town, New York. It's 255 miles away. Yeah, it's over by New York City. Oh, jeez. It's five hours and 13 minutes away. All right. So that's a little bit more <laughs> so of a So you won't trip. be getting there anytime soon. Then. No. It's a little bit more of a day than a day trip at that point. But this beer was so delicious. I had uh, sweet apricot right up front, and then a little bit of a citrus bite at the and end. And a little bit of bitter, mm -hmm. so you knew it was an IPA, but smooth and juicy, oh. uh, absolutely uh, fabulous. And I said uh, in the last recording and before recording to Paul, I had their MC Squared, another double IPA, and it was like brown sugar and apricots. And it was so different and complex and absolutely fabulous that equilibrium uh has been on my radar in the periphery mm -hmm. that i've been like oh if it ever comes across me being able to get some i'll get some after having this i'm like man i have to have it is now squarely on your radar yeah it's it's up there when i see that it's going to be they're going to be doing a feasting at a place or a tap takeover or a friend's going to be going that way. It's going to be, hey. Launch full guided boner missiles. Exactly. Uh, because it is. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, um, it. It's definitely worth it. I, I paid $5 for this can. Ooh, um, $5 for just one can? For one can. <laughs> oh. You got taken, I think sir. Chris, I think Chris has a better deal for you. <laughs> what? Because, yes, I'm, I am drinking Anheuser-Busch's own... Hurricane High Gravity Lager. Uh, John and I used to drink this before to be funny. Um, just to ourselves. Oh, yeah, just not on the show or anything. We just we would do this for us. I stopped by Walmart the other night to pick up some snacks on my way home from work to eat, and I needed something to drink as well. So on my way past uh, the beer coolers, I saw a four-pack of Tallboy cans for $3, and I picked it up because, you know what, it's cheap. 
8.1% ABV gets you drunk. It definitely takes you to task. And also, it tears the door off the frame. It tears the door off the frame like a hurricane should. High-gravity loggers are those insane things that they make for people who are just looking to booze and get drunk. drunk. But we always did it like with a, a scientific edge of like, well, what what is this? It's funny that we're drinking it. But then, like, I remember us standing in the kitchen drinking these and then looking up what high-gravity lagers yeah. are and then talking about it. And still, as we dissect... Putting on your lab coats. Putting on our lab coats, because at that time, we were dragons of science. Well, we, we're always dragons of science. We're always dragons. We would discuss these awful beers as if we would these great beers that we do on the show, and sometimes not so great beers, but... There's nothing wrong with a high gravity lager, and no, I mean it's it's refreshing. Um, I drank two of them that day while I was just playing video games, hanging out. <laughs> uh, like I said to John before, like the pre-show, I don't remember like much of like that night because I was literally just like, "Yep, this is what I'm doing now." Uh, I had one the other day when I got home from like a double at like both my jobs. So I worked, I think it was like six to three. And then 5 to 11. So it was a long day. So I got home and just had one while I was watching The Office on Netflix. Uh, Saved this one for the show today. It's not bad. I put it at 2.0 just because it's not great. This isn't something I'm just going to seek out and drink because, like, oh, man, I could go for a hurricane right now. Honestly, the only reason I bought it is because I saw it on the shelf and I was like, oh, that was funny when John and I had that before. And I was like, $3 for a four-pack? Yep, okay. Like, the uh, honey barbecue chicken tenders I bought were more expensive <laughs> than, like, the four-pack of beer. I'm not one of those people that's just going to drink to get drunk. I do like to just enjoy my beverages. I'm not saying this isn't something that I enjoy, but I probably won't be buying it again anytime soon. So I'm just like, hey, remember that? That was funny. Let me get another one just for memory's sake. Uh, this is that thing that you said you had it, and then I was like... I should get some. <laughs> like, I was at like, yeah. oh man, how come he's enjoying these and I am not? And then I'm like, you know, what? I have so, I have so much beer in my house. Why, why would, why would I do yeah, this? Yeah, well, you don't, myself? you don't need this. That's the thing. I, oh, I don't. But if I did, if I, if I walked through and saw that package and I wasn't with my wife, I probably would buy it too. I would go, oh yeah, no. The thing is, it's only three dollars for a full. Yeah, it's you could have so went cheap. outside and like b- grabbed some bottles outside. In the, I mean, I'm sure Paul has. I'm sure Paul that. has spent more just on a like Starbucks double shot. Actually, <laughs> it's about the same price because the Starbucks double shot is pretty cheap. I think it's two seventy five. If you get but it, it doesn't tear the door off the frames. It does not. But it does get me high octane in, enough to uh, enjoy things. I don't think it was on the can. It was when we were checking into them. Somebody reviewed it. <laughs> okay. As, Carrying the door off the frame, and that was uh, that's something that we still say to this day. Thank you, random poster <laughs> on Untapped for saying that. Now, Chris, give us a enthralling uh, <laughs> intro to uh, Thrawn and Star Wars style. Oh, we're going Thrawn right. first. All right, yeah. we did all before. <laughs> why would we change it? Because why wouldn't we would go why, with the one so that we, we just changed the order? Did you we hear in... how I did that? Enthralling? Yeah. Thrawn? Come on, Paul. That should have given you a big guided motor missile. 
Right. So the first of the books we'll be it. talking about today is going to be Star Wars Thrawn number one. And this is written by Jody Hauser with art by Luke Ross. And this is the kind of continuing uh, origin story of Grand Admiral Thrawn, who was a character introduced in the original expanded universe novels by Timothy Zahn back in the 90s. He came back in Star Wars Rebels Season 3, and then after that they had a novelization, oh, a novel called Thrawn that told the story of him in between all of this. And now we're getting this comic book series from Marvel uh, that's kind of expanding upon some of the stuff that we learned in the Thrawn novel leading up to the novelization, or the novels from Timothy Zahn, which don't exist anymore. But this is now cementing his presence in the new Disney Star Wars universe. Uh, this was... Out of the ten books that we read, this was number eight for me. And spoilers were ahead, I didn't love most of the books that we read. And I wasn't expecting to like this one. But this one was a great start for this character. I've heard of this character. I didn't watch or read anything that he's previously appeared in. And it was a great intro point for me to a character that I did really, really like. And Paul even said he's very much like the Star Wars Sherlock Holmesian character. I was uh, I was trying to look up whether or not he was related to Steve Zahn, because that was something completely different that we talked about. The guy from uh, That Thing You Do. Yeah, I know who and Steve saving, Zahn is. Saving Sarah's home. Yeah. Because our last names. Uh, yeah, they have Zahn. the same last name. Yeah, they have the same last name. So I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe they're related. Uh, apparently there's a whole uh, Wikipedia article about which of the Zahns you like better, Tim or Steve Zahn. Yeah. And everybody on Wikipedia, of course, loves Tim Zahn more for giving them Thrawn. Uh, but yeah, he's he's basically the space militaristic uh, Sherlock. He, he reads people really quickly, un- breaks down the tactics, and then basically understands how to play that play He's four steps ahead in the chess match. You know, it's... it's In the chess match, you could say, because he's from a race known as the chess. Yeah. It's the old uh, 1966 Batman joke. Oh, three-dimensional chess. Oh, chess is easy as long as you can think five steps ahead. You know, it's... That's that. This is that character. He's always five steps ahead of you in planning. And he's... When you're making a choice, it's a choice that he wants you to make. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's he's better at everything than you are. Mm-hmm. And he's even got his own Watson in the <clears> series. Uh, yeah. yeah, and he has that... Uh, oh, no, I heard him coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, a predatory, uh, predatory force will move silently and swiftly and make this kind of footstep. Mm-hmm. And your humans yeah. make much the same sound. You know, like... Yeah. He's, he's calculating... I don't think he's super cold he is cold and calculating Mm -hmm. and i think he sees that his watson will not thrive will not get where he wants to go but the thing is his watson doesn't want to thrive he just wants to do basically what his family's always done and And he's a a numbers guy it's a hobbit yeah he wants to live a simple and i might be making that connection because of you know sherlock BBC series <laughs> and The Hobbit, 
you know, the Watson there, and, you know, Mark he just Freeman. wants to live a simple life, doing the numbers, not getting dirty, not being out, you know, being on a big ship where he's just doing the supply requisitions, you know, basically being the Radar O'Reilly. Yeah. But and he doesn't want to be... He doesn't, he doesn't want to be where he is, and I think that's half the point that why he wants him is because... That, his Watson character is going to be giving him info and giving him things that he can then use. He's easily manipulated. Manipulated. Yeah, because, because like, he his, has this kid's old... a nobody. Like we don't yeah. even remember his name, and like we just we just read the book. He's never going to try to ups- upset or overthrow Thrawn because he has no big ambition. He wants a simple life. That's his main goal. So he's not going to try to have any kind of power struggle with this guy. With yeah. me. He's not going to... And he's not even going to be like, he's even going to be like, what? You did this, you jerk! Well, come on. Well, I'm going to accept that you've done this and then follow have, you on. Like, Because yeah. I have nothing else. Or yeah. there's no other path. Because he doesn't have the imagination to figure out any other path. I also think that like where he wants to be, it's going to be... He's not going to do or be exactly what he wants to be. He's not going to be the supply clerk. You know, like, it's going to be, he's going to end up ultimately well, not, going in a different direction or not being able to find that spot where he's going to be totally happy. So Thrawn's just like, you know what, come with me and I'll use you. I don't think there's I any think kind of largesse in Thrawn's I think he sees, his, that guy is his only friend. Yeah, It's somebody he can talk to and he can have a confidant in. And he didn't care about that kid, even if it was even to the sense of him using him, mm-hmm. he wouldn't have saved him by pushing him over the shrubbery. He yeah. does care but for I, I that think, character. I don't want to say he cares for that character. I think he just realizes, hey, this is a this guy's a tool. Yeah. Not like that dude bro like dude bro way, but he's someone that I can use mm-hmm. to obtain or get to wherever I need to be. And that's I agree with Chris. Okay. All better talk I see what you're than saying. what we had last time. So, Dip, well, we different talk. Talk. I, different we talk. talked about Watson this time versus Thrawn, <laughs> like we did last. No, time. but that's that's the thing with Thrawn. He's a great character, and this book's not very plot heavy. Like you're just seeing how this guy's literally taken from nothing, and how he's cementing his place in an empire that doesn't have any alien people in it. Like if you think back to everything that you've seen, mm-hmm. whether it's in the comic books, in the movies, the TV shows, the Empire is all just strictly like human characters. Like you know, they might be British white dudes. Yeah, they're they're all British white dudes. And even in this book, they kind of discuss how like, oh well, it's not something that's openly done, but people in the Empire don't like aliens because they like, were part it, of the resistance. But you have this character who's basically given a lieutenant position for a reason of screwing himself over or screwing over other people around him. Mm-hmm. But he's able to progress because we know just from the expanded universe stories, which don't really matter anymore, but then in Rebels, he's promoted to the rank of Grand Admiral. This is a guy that knows what he's doing, and in spite of an empire created to keep people like him down excels and progresses through the ranks. Mm-hmm. And that just shows, like, this guy's a force to be reckoned with. Like, he knows what he's doing. And he knows exactly where he'll thrive, and that's why he's saying, no, the unknown regions of space. 
you know what? That's where I'm going to have the less, least amount of supervision. I'm going to be able to operate on my own terms. Put me out there, because I know the threats out there. And someone else that likes to operate on their own terms, I don't know if you're setting me up mm. for this Yes. in particular, uh, is DJ from Star Wars The Last Jedi DJ Most Wanted number one? And this is kind of a prelude to uh, the recent Star Wars film, The Last Jedi, a uh, book written by Ben Acker with Ben Blacker with art by Kev Walker. Uh, and those, those are names that Paul loves. <laughs> uh, say in order. I mean, they're, they're great-sounding names when all listed together. But this is kind of an introduction to the character that we got to see on the Casino Planet of Cantabite, and just him at his swindler, code splicer best, uh, trying to take casinos for all they're worth, getting out and getting to somewhere else because he knows he can have the people that are security there protect him from the security at the other place. He's just trying to play all the different sides against each other so he can continue moving forward in his day-to-day life. Which is just uh, making money to continue to be able to gamble. Like he doesn't, in, in a sense, he doesn't even care about what he keeps or what he loses. He just wants to, in the end, be the winner. Yeah. And even being, being able to take that money, all the money that was in his pocket except for one coin, and giving it to a waitress... He enjoys because he goes, hey, I was always told uh, to be a good tipper. So here's all this money, and I'm going to use this one coin to then make my fortune back again. And and it is it is fortunes that he he accrues doing this gambling and then loses because it's almost like not real to him. And he doesn't care about it. He gets through life no matter what. So playing with this money is almost nothing to him. Yeah, no, he actually says that he put a virus on those chips. So when they go back into the accounts, that lets him actually win even more. So he's just giving it all away so he could win even more. Uh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, yeah, that, that's part of his, his whole his scheme. splicing. Yeah. Mm. He did that. And that's oh. actually a real thing. In, uh, I thought he was a better character. In Las that. Vegas, in real uh, Las Vegas casinos, all those chips have RFID tags to them. So if you do steal those chips and then come back with them, they they tag them as missing. Like if they're not checked in, and then if you try to bring them back in, then they know you stole them instead of just you know actually winning them or playing with them. Like they're not activated. Kind of like gift cards. You like how you have to scan the barcode first before they're activated. Interesting. So, in Vegas, if you think you're going to be super cool and steal a bunch of chips, they're already on to you. I would take a chip home with me. Oh yeah, you yeah, can would, take it home with yeah, you. Yeah, I, I would assume like they don't mind that, but like if it's yeah, if you stole it somehow from behind the cashier. Oh, uh, okay. You, know, you know what I mean? Like if you were gotcha. Somehow, okay, I just see what you mean now. Yeah. Like then. Uh, then it wouldn't work. And you got to be careful if you leave with those chips. Some of them say, like, give you a notice saying, hey, you got to cash the chip in in a certain amount of time. Otherwise, because if they switch out the chips, then that's no longer a valid chip. Like, you won't be able to go back uh, there. I, from now. If I were to take, chip. if I were to, uh, yeah, I probably would take a low denomination, but yeah. walk away with a chip just to have a chip mm-hmm. from a casino. Okay. All I'm saying. Yeah, I want to ask you what it would be a, know, it would be a souvenir. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I I enjoyed this book. I didn't like it as much as Thrawn. 
simply because this is just one of those books that's there to give you a glimpse of one of those tertiary characters in the Star Wars universe. Um, I think there's going to be more issues of this. I don't feel the need to pick them up. Like I, I feel like I got enough from mm-hmm. DJ that I, I need it. I want to know more about Thrawn. I will be picking up the rest of that series. Uh, but DJ, I'm I'm fine with just this little bit of like, hey, I got I got to know a little bit more about this character. Mm-hmm. I got to see him do something else besides sell out Finn and Rose. I, I, I'm really, cool to move on. I really thought that that was just set up of how he got into that jail, and then like, and then I isn't that Rose and Finn ship like coming into port like at that time like uh, at the yeah. end? I, I believe yeah. it is. Yeah, because I read this because it says the end at the end, mm-hmm. and I took it as just a one shot. Yeah. No, I think um, there's, I think there's more. It I'm might be pretty sure. But I, this, did, did we already mention that he is the John uh, Constantine? No, of the we Star love Wars that universe? for you. All right, because basically that's all this book is: is him setting up everybody that's against him, and then constantly setting up more and more people to be against him, but also against the people that are after him. He's trying to play every single angle against each other, against all the angles against each other. And uh, he's building a house of cards that you're just waiting for it to crash upon him. Though he's exactly where he wants to be by the end of the book. It's safe in prison. And then he's just going to look for another angle to play. To get out. To get out. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed this book. Did you read this before or after Thrawn? Um, I believe I read this. After Thrawn. Because I read this before Thrawn, mm-hmm. which was like, I was unhappy with some of the reads beforehand. I read this and I was like, oh, this was actually pretty good. This was pretty fun. And then I read Thrawn and I was, again, expecting it not to be great. And then I was like, oh, it's elevated even higher. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is even better. Okay. Uh, my bad. I just did some quick Google research. And this was a one shot. I thought it was like one of four. But that's just because there's four different covers. Oh, covers. Yeah. There's a movie variant, there's an Ivan Reese variant, and then like a Dave Johnson variant. So that's why I thought there were more issues. must have the Ivan Reese cover then. Know who has a lot of variants? Imperial Stouts. They sometimes get a lot of variants. I'm not sure if uh, Perennial Artisan Ales does that with nope. their Imperial Stouts. But uh, John and I are drinking right now Sump, uh, and like a Sump Pump. Uh, Imperial Stout with Sump, which is the Los... Rosella's coffee. Uh, this is a 10.6 alcohol by volumes imperial stout with a load of coffee flavor. Uh, I believe Sump is a coffee roaster, and the roast that they're using is the. Oh, okay. The, I thought it was. Yeah. Um, the other way around. But this is a, and I'm, I'm almost done with it. Um, we drank this whole bomber, but it is a wonderful coffee stout with this beautiful sweetness behind it and the reason we were talking about starbucks is because it does remind you of of one of those nice coffee drinks the starbucks double shot the double shot where it's the coffee it's espresso with this nice little sweetness behind it and this has that this Mm -hmm. is a wonderful drinking beer and i would buy this if i were to see this out anywhere if i were to see the bottle anywhere i would buy it because You've yeah. been sitting on this since Christmas? This was bottled? No, I was sitting on this for um, three to four weeks. Okay, and this was bottled, we don't know when? Um, I got it right in when it was bottled. 
All right. This is really good. It's it fell off. You did mention last time. Oh, it's bottled on 1-18-2018. Uh, it says right on the UPC. You said you heard that this doesn't age well. I wouldn't want to lose any of the coffee, any of that nice richness from that coffee flavor. So I wouldn't want to age this at all. No. Uh, and this is one of the things that people do say is when it does age, the coffee and that sweetness drop off. And you're left with a, still a good mm-hmm. drinking beer. But the things that you're drinking this beer for have been lost. And I I would agree. Like, you can tell right away that if that sweetness were to go and it would just be coffee, it wouldn't be as it good. Be, yeah. And if it was some of that coffee went and some of that sweetness went, again, it just wouldn't be as good. And this is a nice, thick, roasted, oh, man. like, stout. Because I just it's finished, I took a big swig to finish it off, and I still have, like, three sips left. After drinking that last gulp, because it all is starting to settle and pool down at the bottom of the glass again. Yeah. Uh, just, I'll, this is really a wonderful tasting mm-hmm. beer. Yeah. And how much was it? Like, is I think I paid. I think I paid about twenty bucks for it. Okay. It's. I think it's worth twenty. It's up oh, fifteen ninety nine. Oh, fifteen ninety. Yeah, definitely worth fifteen ninety nine. Sixteen bucks. Uh, yeah, and I brought. I got it in it. on um, February eighth. It's very good. Uh, delicious. Don't sit on it. Drink it as soon as you get it. Enjoy it. Sip it. Like we have. We've been drinking it for about an hour. We've been drinking it for probably about... Uh, 40 minutes. But maybe about 35 to 40 minutes. Yeah. yeah. It's worth it. It's, it's good. Uh, what else was good, Chris? Um, well, I'm going to head over into the DC side of things now and Ooh. talk about Batman and the Signal number one. Okay, so something this, that's not as good. This was written by Tony Patrick uh, and Scott Snyder with art by Cully Hamner. And this is the continuing tale of Duke Thomas, who Batman took under his wing after the Zero Year. Uh, he was one of the Robins from the We Are Robin series. Um, but yeah, he's basically going to be Batman's daytime operative. Uh, he's got his own new suit, which he's had... Uh, since he's been appearing stuff, he's got a hideout now. Uh, he still just doesn't feel like a member of the family because he feels like he doesn't belong. But apparently something happened with the whole Dark Knights metal thing, which we did not read. And now there's a bunch of young people in Gotham that have abilities and powers. And as such, they've opened an Arkham Juvenile uh, juvenile uh, Center. Wink. Uh, I don't know, you guys... We're a big fan. I like Duke Thomas as a character. I don't feel like this was a really strong book, but I did. I just like seeing more of him. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like here I am. Uh, we didn't read. I didn't really read the We Are Robin. I didn't really read. The, well, we all didn't read the metal. I didn't really read that Batman series that was coming out weekly. Uh, that had Duke Eternal. Thomas in it. Eternal. So I'm kind of like at a loss with this character. And we're kind of thrown in here being where he's, you know, hanging out during the day. He's Batman's day man. But, like, I don't need that in Gotham. I don't want to see Gotham during the day. Like, that's, see, here, here's the thing, and they, they, make, they make references to that, mm-hmm. though, because so many of these characters, like, you only see at night, even for them being up during the day is weird for them. Yeah. I, I appreciate that they're trying to do something different with this book, though, because... Like Duke says, you know, there's not even enough room at the table for him. They don't yeah. need another bat. 
So having him be his own thing, it makes sense. Uh, when I started going through this book, I realized that it reminds me a lot of Batman Beyond because it's a young character mm-hmm. operating with Bruce Wayne slash Batman's guidance, but it's him on his own. Like, during the day, you're not going to see you know everyone else jumping in to help him out with stuff. And then he's got his own kind of metahuman rogues gallery now that he's going to be going up against. Uh, so even though it's doing something different, like it still feels kind of comfortable and like I can get into this. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing I'm coming into it with is just like that. Oh well, I didn't read the metal. I don't have the want to know more about those characters, which is something else that we'll talk about when we get to Sideways Number One. Yeah. My favorite. But I, I like Duke Thomas, and I like him having his own vehicle. Not necessarily a vehicle, but you know his own book now. Finally, instead of just being that background character in some of the other Batman stuff, where he doesn't even have a name yet. Well, with the fact that like Teen Titans is being canceled, and you're not going to have a big output, and I think even like Detective Comics, you don't have a big output for Tim Drake. Would you rather have Tim Drake have a comic book series for the? Well, Tim, Tim Drake's back in Detective Comics now. I know, but I. I no, I mean, I, obviously, I'm, I'm going to pick like a, a Tim Drake book. I would love to have that again, but I, I'm okay with you know Tim Drake being into Detective Comics. I really dug uh, dig that book. You know, give this is a mini series. It's only three mm-hmm. issues. Give okay. Duke his time to shine. Ha ha puns. Uh, the signal. I I didn't. Uh, I thought it was interesting with Duke and how they worked Duke out of. Snyder's run on Batman and his parents were under the zombie gas or whatever. Oh. And and I thought it was interesting that Batman saw something in him that wanted to bring him in. But even like when we had those backup issues with the figuring out the color, the colors and uh, your colors yellow, I didn't enjoy that. And I didn't enjoy, nor do I, I care about this character. Mm-hmm. And do, you, do you think maybe it's because they had him kind of just hanging around for so long before they were finally like, okay, now we know what we're going to do with him? I, I don't, I don't how, know. How did you feel maybe? about Harper, Harper Rowe when she was Rowan introduced? Uh, I thought that was a little more shoehorned, but I think okay. within the story, she really got flushed out within that year-long series that you got little snippets and you got to see her evolve nicely mm-hmm. with this. He was given like backup issues and then was then all of a sudden like, and he might have a bigger part in metal. We don't know. We're not reading metal, but all of a sudden it's like whoop, Batman and the signal. I'm expecting a book called Batman and the signal to have Batman in it mm-hmm. a lot more than at the end. Like here's your lair, the, the hatch. Or you is know, it the hatch? No, that's lost. Okay. <laughs> uh, it could be. Uh, but it just... No, like, sorry. Yeah, it was the hatch. This character, I just don't... I don't care about... I don't care that he's got a power that he doesn't know how to use and these the other characters out. And yes, Chris, it does feel a bit like Batman Beyond. But Batman Beyond had a character I kind of cared about towards at least even at the end of the first issue. The thing with Batman Beyond, like the cartoon series, because I don't really remember any of the comic books that I read, Terry McGinnis was always kind of fighting against Batman and being the Batman. 
he was reluctant about it. With Duke, he's he's there, he, but he's I don't know. I I just wish I liked Duke more, and there's no reason for me not to like him. But there's also no reason for me to really like him yet. Partly my own fault for not reading all the series that he's been in. Yeah. Uh, but right now, there's not enough there for me to be like, okay, cool, this is a character I can get behind. Yeah, I and I, I like if maybe he had a better handle on his powers while he was using them during a fight. And stop I, calling it just the signal. And, and then at the very end, the signal was lost six hours in. It like, makes me feel like I'm holding up a cell phone, like trying to, like, Paul from Sprint or Verizon. Like, can you hear me now? Yeah, I... I think this book could have been done better and more interesting to get me into it. Mm -hmm. Because anytime, like, when he was like, now it's time to use my power, mm -hmm. it's not working. And then the villain's like, hey, you don't know how to use your powers. It's, it's kind of like uh, X-Men First Class, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And it just seemed like, um, I don't know. They're just, I think the character would be interesting enough, but this book didn't deliver on it being interesting enough to bring me into the book. And I, I don't think it's Luke's fault as a character. Mm -hmm. I think it's the writer's fault. I didn't think the art Chris, was bad yeah, the, in the book either. Yeah, no, but, I think the art was fine. I, I like Cully Hamner a lot. Um, I'm not completely familiar with the stuff, but he's the artist that was on uh, Blue Beetle when that originally launched with the what was it DC Infinite Crisis? After that, like when he had oh, his own book, okay. uh, I I think he does great young superhero artwork. Uh, opposed to whenever we talk about Sideways, but Paul, what was your question going to be? Uh, my question was: You you seem to be the biggest of the Duke fans. Uh, is this something that you wanted to stay on, or is this something that you kind of like? Eh, after this miniseries, maybe I'll check out his next book. Um, I mean, three issues. I. I want to see where it goes. It's not like a huge investment for the next two. Right. Um, no, we'll, I'll, I'll see where it goes. Even if it's, he gets like a co-starring role in like a different bat book. Like, I, I would check it out. Yeah. Uh, one thing I really hate is in the book, like he's got the, the white eyes and then it also just shows him with regular eyes. Like it's like it flip pops between panels. Oh, the helmet. And, and, the versus the and that really drove pupils. That really drove me nuts. Right. That was something I would have never noticed. Until yeah, I honestly I didn't even catch that. Oh, really? Because uh, I was like, yeah, what? I when I was reading it, that and seems I, like a Paul nitpick. You know, thing though too is, um, I read all the books on my tablet. I okay. haven't read stuff off my tablet in months. Mm. I mainly do all my reading on my phone and just swipe panel to panel. Where on my tablet I read full pages, mm -hmm. and that was oh, just... the only time you're seeing his his eyes is when he's using his powers though to see the light. Is that is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah, because it's when he's uh, looking at the null and he's trying to see like the points of light. Every other time you see him, he's. I didn't even get it, and I it just it took me out of the book even more. And maybe that's uh, maybe that's my fault. That's on you. That, no, yeah, that's not like completely your fault. That's on John, right? <laughs> but yeah, you know that's, what? That's a John thing. Hey, you should have grabbed me earlier in the book. <laughs> I'm talking about another young 
character from DC. Yeah. Um, also, also spinning out of the Dark Knight metal, we have Sideways number one, and this was written by Kenneth Rockford with Dan DiDio, art by Kenneth Rockford. Um, I wanted to get into this book. This was one of the characters I was most excited for when we did our annual look forward. I don't think Kenneth Rockford should be handling that young spunky hero book because he doesn't really bring anything to this character. Yeah. Um, I thought sideways, Justin it, Jordan he, was supposed to be writing the book. He seems so vanilla. Uh, he's, he's one of the writing credits on it, too. Okay. Maybe he... Because that's a guy... Character that's a guy yeah, to that me... Could be like, that could be, like, scripting stuff or, like, dialogue. Maybe. But um, Sideways, I honestly don't even remember the character's name. I'm trying to get over to the book now. My tablet's just going really slow. Um, yeah, but he's a character who was empowered after what happened in Gotham. Since then, he's kind of retreated. He's now uh, retreated socially. He's the weird kid at school that was in Gotham when everything happened. Um, he's got a friend who made him a costume. He has the ability to create rifts anywhere in the world. And that's that's what we know about this kid. Mm -hmm. um, so when the Tetrican caskets... Terrigen. Terrigen mist gets us... Uh, Spread through Gotham. Oh, so that's what the metal was basically. It was the inhumanization like of it. Gotham City. Like, I don't know. I don't. Know. But this is a yeah. This is a, what we kind of want to see: a cool, fun, lighthearted high school student getting powers, and what we would have done when we were a high school student with powers, or what we're hoping we're hoping comic book readers going to the comic book shop for the very first time while in high school and having disposable income, buying their first book is like, yes, this is me! But there's nothing special about this kid that makes me latch onto him. Uh, I can't remember his name. I know his powers. He's the, like, makes a... Uh, yeah, a I, I just had, I had to look at the, the notes for the book. His name's Derek James. And it was like, it, it's at the end of the book, uh, Sideways, Fun and Games, Kenneth Rockefeller and Dan DiDio Storytellers, Dan DiDio and Justin Jordan Dialogue. Mm. Um, this book is trying to be invincible. It's trying to be okay. Blue Beetle. But it's, I, it's, and that's why I picked it up, because that's the kind of book that I wanted, but there's no fun to it. No, and... Fucking turn that mic back I on, you son of a bitch. Because that's why we sounded like shit last week. I will turn it back on last time. Why did you turn it off? I because don't understand. Chris's You're... headphones are going through. Otherwise, you're going to have an I fixed that in, in editing. Uh, Fix it. I will. Thank you. This book, I think, when, you, when it is described on paper, it should be a success. Justin Jordan with... Um, Luther Strode can write teenagers. He can write action. He can write fun. Kenneth Rockefort, I one thing you cannot say about this book is it doesn't look amazing. It, it does look good, is, but I, I don't think he's the right person to have on a young hero book. I mean, like we compare this well, to he Colin was on Teen Titans. He was on Teen Titans. Yeah, but like, even then, like it seemed weird. Like everyone was just like really. I don't know. I, I, He's an artist that I think I just like the way his stuff looks. I like his panel layout. Um, yeah, there's 
everything about all the ingredients should work. You know, you're 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 making a pizza. You have crust. You have cheese. You have sauce. And this, you have all those ingredients, but for some reason, you put the sauce and the cheese on the on the cooking tray, and then you put the dough on top of it, and it doesn't work. You have all the right ingredients, but when you put them all together, it it is not an enjoyable read. It's not it's not fun. It's not interesting. And this book should be a lot more fun. But even like him, like taking pictures as he's jumping through. Yeah, you're a superhero now. Who are you sending that to? J. No, he's, he's he's streaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but they can link that back to an account. Like they can find out who you are. So why would you do that? Because he's paying in rubles. He's paid in rubles. <laughs> he's being paid in rubles. Well, at least he's, he's not Russian. being paid in bitcoins. Yeah. No. He would have retired if he was. Being I'm paid really in glad, bitcoins. Chris. I'm really glad that you didn't enjoy this book because I thought this was going to be the one that you might enjoy the most. No, I was I was let down by this one the most probably out of all of them. And that's sad because this is something that I was really looking forward to, and I was excited to see. <clears throat> excuse me. DC kind of introducing a younger generation of heroes. And that was like the tagline. <clears throat> Sorry, my my voice is getting, I'm getting hurricaned. <clears throat> oh no. Oh no. Uh, but that was the whole thing at like the top of all of these books. It's the new age of heroes. They were introducing like yeah. the next part of the legacy and it, it the... doesn't feel right. And the rest of the books that are part of the, the new DC universe, I have no desire to pick them up at all. I kind of want to pick up the one with Mr. Terrific and Metamorpho. Yeah. Until I looked at that, whatever book has the, uh, the terrific, the backup, the oh. backup issue of it. And then I kind of started reading it and I was like, Oh, they, this they is give you half bad. that issue. I feel. And I was like, not brought into it. No, not at all. Because the reason I go to DC is because those characters have been established forever. Like longer than I've been alive. These are the characters that are the statesmen. And there's legacy to those characters. They are handing down the torch. This character has no ground within the DC universe. Like, I, if you want to introduce a new, a new legacy of characters, a new batch, give me the TSA. Give me the Justice Society of America, where it's the older statesmen. Basically, it's it's a wildcat bringing them into the boxing ring and being like. Yo, kid, you think you're going to be a superhero? Not until you can knock me out. Like, you know? Yeah. Like, I want that lineage, that that history to be in my DCU at all times. This character feels like a really bad answer to what Marvel does. It's like, oh, we'll just introduce this character here. But, yeah, but I, and that's look why at I the times a, that that's worked. Nova, when the son, without his, the son becoming Nova try to find his father he's over at marvel over at marvel you're making my point i'm sorry i thought you said that it like it doesn't work over at marvel no no it doesn't work at dc it works over marvel okay because i was just gonna be like "Ah, spider-man miles (laughs) morales nova all those reasons i go to marvel yeah i'm sorry i did not i'm sorry i didn't hear you i I don't i was looking at what book we might possibly do next i wanna yeah i think i think DC doesn't, they don't do a great job with it. And it, yeah. Keep on. No, I, I don't, I don't want to talk more about sideways. That's okay. Uh, I'm going to continue down the, cool. the DC list. Cause the next up 
I have is Doomsday Clock number three. Ooh. Written by well, Jeff Loeb, art by Gary Frank. Well, you and John talk about that. I'm going to be enjoying our last beer, if you don't mind, Chris. If you oh, mind, let me know. That's fine. Ooh, this is you, you didn't read the book. Yeah, I didn't. So I'm going to just sit here and drink quietly. Um, and this, for me, is the the cutoff point. Like, I, I don't care. Even getting to see Batman working alongside... Rorschach for a bit. You get to see some of the fallout from issue number two with the comedian being back and fighting Adrian Beat. I just I don't necessarily need any more of this. Even getting to see like the Harley Quinn and I can't remember the mannequin. The mannequin. I don't remember the girl's name. She's like a Harley Quinn knockoff. Seeing them do stuff, I was like, okay, this is this is cool. I like seeing them in action now more than I did in like the first two issues, but I just I don't have to keep keep reading this book because I feel like nothing is ever going to really come out of it that I care about, and that's that's sad because this is from Jeff Johns. This is a character creator and writer that I should want to see what he's doing. Uh, yeah. I mean, the book it still looks great. Yeah, no, uh, no complaints about Gary Frank. He does great work, and uh, I think he's at home in the in the Watchmen universe. Yeah. Um, one thing that I thought was really great is, uh, with the meeting of Rorschach and Batman, you have a moment where Batman kind of tilts his head, like Rorschach used to tilt his head, kind of like the dog, like listening, like, "Hmm?" Mm hmm. Uh, I really loved when, um, the Mr. Mime or whatever his name is, uh, his invisible weapons are just that invisible weapons. And he starts blowing people away and throwing daggers. And that's that's the part that uh, I like, like seeing him actually like, oh no, he's not just like crazy. He does have powers. In like the comedian versus uh, Vendetti, and Vendetti ends up going out the window that time. Like, like that stuff. I all I, I enjoyed all of that. I didn't enjoy the uh, watching of the TV series. Yeah, again, that's, that's for me. Watchmen. That was a watch. Yeah, it was a Watchmen carryover. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, you're watching the characters watch the movie that has. Mm-hmm like the threads interwoven into the story. Like I don't, I don't have to have that though. Like, and to me, it doesn't make sense that Batman would lock up Rorschach in Arkham. Oh, it, for me, it does. I mean, he's I crazy. He, he's crazy. Batman knows that. Oh, I think he's definitely crazy, but he's also, to me, Batman would want to figure out how this guy got into the Batcave more than just like, oh, I walked in and I pulled the, you know, I pulled the lever and came in. I think he would be more interesting in the solving of the crime of what all of this is and using Rorschach for when he needs to. I, I, think, I mean, he, I feel like he still could do that, and he got almost everything he needs from the journal at this point. Uh, and it was the backup of this issue that has the, uh, the Terrifics, which would be the book that I would be interested in that I'm not interested in. And when they, they, I think the only other book would maybe be, um, new challengers that are coming out of this, that I would be kind of interested in. But even then, none of these books interest me. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I think this is the only reason I would want to pick up 
the next issue of Watchmen would really just be like, oh, let's see how gorgeous Gary Frank's art's going to be. Because, yeah. like you said, he's at home. He delivers on what this art is supposed to look like, and I think that's the best thing about this book. I would agree. But, yeah, I won't be picking up number four. I, I think we've three months dedicated to this book of us being just like, eh, it's a, a Watchmen book. We'll see where it goes is all that this book really needed. Yeah, uh, I said that after two. So I'm sitting here. It <laughs> ended with enough of a cliffhanger to fa- yeah. check out number three. This one did not end with a good enough cliffhanger. Uh, John, I'm going to get ready to throw it over to you because... I think we can talk about Flash Annual now since we're still like on the oh, DC yeah. sure. side of things, if you don't mind. Just well, unless, unless we've kind of left Paul to talk about this beer. Ooh, yeah, the beer that I was drinking from Voodoo Brewery Bear Room Collection. Voodoo, come on, be a friend. Don't post on Facebook the same day at like 11 o'clock that you're releasing your Bear Room Collection at like 2 we're already I'm at, at work. We're already at work. We can't call off if we're already at work. We can call in sick the day before. Just give me 24 hours. I'm asking. 24-hour notice that you're going to be releasing. Uh, this is a chocolate-covered, hairy, big, black voodoo daddy aged in bourbon barrels. Uh, bottled on 222.16, two years ago. Uh, still delicious. It does say drink fresh on the bar- on the bottle. <laughs> But uh, we you didn't know do that. We can't because we don't trust that we'll ever get another one of these. Yeah. We've missed two. We've missed two, if not three, right now. We've missed two. And, uh, because the, the, the barrel, it's being released. It was released last week. Mm-hmm. The, next, uh, the next barrel release. These are ones that we brought in. And then Paul was always, I'm always like, hey, maybe we should drink that. And then Paul's like, you know, it's too... It's too hot outside. It's yeah. too hot outside to drink this. And it's too hot in our room. Mm-hmm. Drink it. And I uh, talking to him, I was like, we really need to start cracking through our cellar because we got oh. stuff that really needs to get drank. And this was number one on the list because they're two years old at this time. Yeah. And Paul's like, no. I'm like, Paul, we bought him before I got married. My two-year anniversary. Yeah. Part, in of a my couple months. Was, part of my wedding toast to you was about that trip down uh, to pick up uh, the beer. It was yeah, with my wife yeah. where you were like, Hey, I know I got to give a speech. I'm going to needle you for uh, information yep. and get it wrong when I deliver it in a speech. Mm-hmm. But it was still the best of the wedding toast. <laughs> At two years old, you still Suck get the air. bourbon. You still get mm-hmm. the chocolate, the chocolate, the cherry. the cherry, everything. When I took my first sip, I had to lean back and my eyes were closed. And I just was like, like Ray Charles. I was Ray Charles all over the place. It was like, all over oh, that. Baby. Like, mm, 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 mm. Not talking about Diet Pepsi. It's talking about Voodoo Daddy. The thing that we've said since 2013 when we first had their beers was these guys know how to sell her. Mm-hmm. And I will still put my hand down and say the best barrel aged beers I've ever had are from Voodoo Brewery. And it, it still holds true. A two-year-old bottle like this. Can you imagine what this was like two years ago when it was fresh? Don't talk to me about that because that makes me sad. It does. And does it, HTP, Hail Pipit, 
a really good. It's good. They're doing. IPA. They're do. They do great. They I, do great current style IPAs for work, and they do great barrel aging. Now that they have a place in Erie. Anytime that my office is like, hey, need some help down in Erie, I'm like the first one to be like, yep, I'll go. Right? Because every time I go, I stop at Voodoo. Uh, so the, I told a story about a guy that I talked to who was down in Pennsylvania, and he found a 12-pack for eight ninety nine of Hurricane. Same guy, when he said he was going down to Pennsylvania, and he actually brought me back a beer from, the, from uh, one of the Pennsylvania breweries he went to, I said, one of the places you got to stop at is voodoo and they went they were like oh we ended up going the day that they were doing the barrel release mm-hmm. and people were picking oh, wow. up their allotments and they did have some stuff on, on tap, tap yeah. and he said like uh it was really crazy but you said i should go there we went there we had a, a couple of their barrel age stuff and we had a couple of the other beers and he's like it would be a place i would go back to again hands down yeah the, the two other places he went to it was like you know, he did this better than Voodoo, but Voodoo did this better than them, and he was kind of yeah talking about him. I was like, hey, man, how far away was that? Because I'm thinking, this is coming back up here. I was like, man, maybe we take a Pennsylvania trip before I hit, I said, for, uh, Canada. And he was like, ah, it's about five hours. He's like, eh, yeah. No, Erie's 90 minutes. Yeah, but the other places that he went oh, to. Oh, okay. Um. See, uh, if you do that, you would have to then do Southern here, and then come back up. And it's that's a whole day. Yeah, like, that's Southern thing here, as much as much as but I appreciate and love prison anything. because you can always get whatever they are releasing. Yeah, constantly. The only time I think it's real, it's worth going to Southern Tier is when they do do. The uh, open house. The open house. And you can go and you can spend 10 bucks and drink 10 different, 10 different beers. Yeah. I mean, I've spent, every time I've gone down there, I've spent $20 and I give maybe a little less than half my tickets away. Because um, yeah, we've been there for film. the pumpkin, pumpkin, pumpkin release. And that was a lot of fun because Kate loves fall. And it's all decorated up for with pumpkins everywhere and fall. And she just loves the atmosphere on that day and i would do that again just because you know rum king isn't that great i'm sorry i'm not i don't love yeah. rum king i, I like rum, rum king, king. I, this easy amount of money you spend on it for what it is i don't think is wonderful but i'm glad you like it chris i don't want to take me i don't think i don't think rum king is bad but i don't i don't love it I mean, it's not get much it, it's not too expensive, though. It's, right. If I was paying like twenty dollars for the bottle, I would completely understand. But am I still just like nine, ten bucks for the bomber? Yeah, I, I think it's yeah. worth it. Oh yeah, when you're at the store and you're there anyways, and you see it, oh hey, there it is. But make a hour and a half drive out just for that, it's a little much. But everything else that goes on during that day, it's cool. Like it's fun. I, I think to the public day. Is, is it, it is it is better because you can I mean we showed up we showed up with Wegman subs we got a table early we sat we played cards we ate we drank and also that was the day that uh, Tangier was released mm-hmm. that orange chocolate was released and they always tie that into the public day and also some perkins going on yeah oh, that mint d- chocolate was really good yeah and also we did not play euchre we did not play euchre I don't like euchre. 
but I think all said and done, Voodoo is better Voodoo, than Southern Tier. Voodoo Brewery is worth the trip, and it is worth their barrel aged stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I am I am angry every time when they release. They say they've released. They're releasing sale of their allotments and it's sold out before I can even get out of work. They, all I'm saying is they do a really good job with the barrel like collection and also their fresh IPAs. Yeah. Knock it out of the park as well. I agree. So no matter what you're going for, those two ends of the spectrum, because I'm putting it at ends of the spectrum, you'll be happy as a beer drinker. So go. Go to Voodoo. Live. Live your life. Enjoy. And read this book. Which book? Which book? I mean, either way, it's going to feel like the 90s. So which book are we going to do? Oh, no. Chris was throwing it over to Flash. Yeah, threw it over to Flash. Ah, I was was throwing it over to one of the X-Men books. Nope, nope. Well, now I got to log in at DC. Hold on. I got to log out and log back in. You can can log. I'll I'll introduce because this is the Flash annual for this year. And this is the Flash War Prelude. And this was uh, written by Joshua Williamson with art by Howard Porter. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's... Starts off with like a whodunit in the future, 21st, uh, 25th century, uh, at the Flash Museum. There's been a murder. They're on the case. They are on the case because somebody died at the Flash Museum. And things are changing quickly. And that uh, thing, it's history. Yeah, the, the time, the time matrix mm-hmm. wimbly wobbly timey wimey is all changing and Wait, i say what? that because they use that in yeah, this yes. book and i was wally like west the other wally west says a timey wimey and i was like fuck you um yeah but, but if i was time- a writer i would yeah. use it yeah. i mean i mean the other wally west he's like he's a young kid like he's allowed yeah. to say timey wimey <laughs> he's seen uh, doctor who he saw that version of doctor who wait did he though yeah, he did. The, the hang-up I have about this book, and yes, okay, so you have uh, Crime Happen in the Time, then you have all three Flashes working together, Wally West, Wally West, and Perry, and you have the Man Out of Time with Wally West, the Wally West that we grew up with and that is mm-hmm. our Flash. So I take things as a personal tax when it's my Flash. Right. Uh, and with this, you have the, the whiniest of the Wally West, our Flash, that you've ever had. But also, the rogues, the rogues, like the top, to me, the top is crazy, and he's he's in a, he's in a, he's got his suit on, but then he's got a, um, uh, what are they called when you, straight jacket, straight jacket on him, and he's a jerk. This Top is way too ripped to be my top. It's all that spinning. He's working on his core. <sighs> yeah. This is also what broke John of the Flash television series, too, is when they introduced the top and also... No, it was... And the, it was... The Shade. The Shade. It was like... Fuck you. It was The Shade. It was the top first, and then... They no, it was the Mirror shade. Master. Mirror Master. The and top. then The Shade. Oh, really? Because the Mirror Master is so vain, he was always looking at himself in the mirror. Oh, come on. Come on, Paul. Remember my dislikes and likes. Uh, no, I didn't mind this because it almost seemed like he knows the version of the... He knows what should be, the but then universe. he's like, no, this isn't what it's supposed to be. And he's just be. trying to change everybody's mind and like give them the vertigo enough to be like, 
snap them out of it. Kind of like how I really liked in uh, Infinite Crisis, where Psycho Pirate was the only one that realized, like, the worlds are out of balance. Like, give me more villains that are like, no, no, something's wrong. Yeah, I, I don't and, see yeah, this ahead, Wally as being, uh, being whiny. I just feel like he's... Nobody there knows who he is besides the people he's been able to snap out of it. And now you've got uh, Barry trying to get Iris in it, too, and he's like, no, like she's she's not ready. Mm-hmm. I'm not ready for her to know everything that happened. I like it at the end of the book, because then you see like what happens with Magenta, a character that I really only know from the television show, uh, where it basically breaks her to learn the truth. And you're like, oh shit, yeah, Wally, I'm totally with you. Don't they break Iris? Like, if it causes her this like weird break where knowing too much like hurts, like yeah, don't burden her with that. That's selfish. But and he that's also the whole point of this book. But he also had that moment with um his former wife, and then she was just like, hey, I can't take this. I can't take this man out of time bullshit, and I'm not going to be your wife. Yeah. Wait, it didn't actually happen in this book. It didn't happen in this book, but it happened previous in Teen Titans. And that's horrible. That's not what I want in a flesh book. Yeah. You you still have Wally with, you know, it's like, it's 50-50. The Flash always has a family. It's Wally trying to explain that, hey, everything is wrong, but then DC still going like, oh, he went to her and he said... uh, Hey, you're supposed to be my wife. We should, you know, I'm part of your life. And she's like, much bullshit, dude. I'm out. Yeah. And it's the same thing That's with wrong. Barry and Iris when the Flash book starts and we yeah. got to watch That's them wrong. find each other again. It's wrong. That's that's wrong with this book. It's wrong with every Flash book. Yeah, the, the Flash books have to and need to be about family, and the family can't just be these three. You have to have Jay Garrick make a Flash book. Yeah. You got to have Papa Jay. You got to have Jay. And I think it's just at this point in time, and I think it's just these flashbooks aren't for me because I've had the greatest flashbooks already. And it's like, I can't read these flashbooks Mm -hmm. when the flashbooks is telling me, hey, remember back when those were great? Uh, We're not there yet. And I I don't want to, no, it's already gotten there. Uh, Chris, I don't know if you remember, but uh, during my rehearsal dinner, like five minutes before the rehearsal dinner started, my father-in-law came to me and said, "Hey, Paul, you know you have to give a speech here, right?" And I'm like, "No," <laughs> and uh, I had to whip together a speech in my own mind about, like, you know, about thanking everybody for being there, and uh, you know, I thanked my my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, my my dad, and my mother about, you know, showing us because they all they also got married really young. You know, I got married at when I was 23. Hey, little behind the scenes for everybody here. And I thank them because, you know what? They got married young. I got married young. But it worked out. And in this day and age, that stuff doesn't really work out. Hey, Garrick. <laughs> <laughs> Is that point for these other flashes? It's like, no, he, he can get married young and it can work. And it should work, you know. For these characters, it should work. For the Flash. Like, I love the Fantastic Four. Why? 
There's a Marvel's first family. I love the Flash. Why? Because they're a family first. Like the whole yeah, so lightning rod thing. Have a family and have it be broken, though, Paul. Okay, yeah, to get to. But the fan, like in this yeah, book, yeah, but they the need family a is just Barry, Wally, and Wally. Mm-hmm. It can well, be broken. But that's the thing, and he's trying to expand out, but just look at the stress that it causes with him and Magenta. And it, it's it takes a lot of talking to her before she's finally at the point where it's like, yeah, like now I remember the good and the bad. And for, uh, oh my gosh, why am I blanking out her name? Linda. Yeah, for yeah for Linda Park, like she wasn't at that point yet. That's what's making that a story worth telling. Like I don't need to have everything just like be a finger snap and then hey, Wally West is back as the Flash. Like you need to see that turmoil. You need to see that. Like, he was able to, like, snap Barry back into it. like, And that was a great moment. Life is struggles. And you're seeing Wally struggles getting back to that life now. But that was, what, two years ago? It was two years ago when we had that snap. <laughs> it was two years ago. And now we had the Titan series, which is, like, a year in. And he's still he's still canceled. building those bridges back. Yeah, but... Can- canceled in April. But still... It's telling Wally's story. Now we have okay. a big Flash crossover, the Flash Wars, that's going to be continuing this. I, I see it, what you're saying, Chris. Yeah, and I, it's, okay. it's a story for story's sake. Like They're not just putting everything back to status quo, because then that's not interesting. If that was the case, we wouldn't be talking about this book right now. We haven't talked about the Flash since we had Titans number one come out. The last time we talked about the Flash before that was when they broke it again with the DC Rebirth, like, number zero or one, whatever it was. Like, we need these stories to make us be like, hey, let's read The Flash, let's talk about The Flash. Yeah, The Flash is a character that I identified with because he had that core relationship. Because, you know, my core relationship and also because of my parents' core relationships. You know, both in-laws and my biological. Uh, uh, but here, favorite, I see what you're saying, Chris. I, yeah, I, I, I can too. And this can is, be worth this, it. This is me just, it's it's the comic book-er in me and the love of of Wally that it's the same thing that I have with Spider-Man. I grew up reading Spider-Man comic books. So when they constantly do stuff to Spider-Man and Peter Parker, I'm always like, leave him alone! He doesn't need that. Like, I have this such a strong affection for that character. You say the same had, thing whenever a bill comes in the mail. You're like, leave me alone! Oh, my wife takes care of me. Oh, I don't do that. Right. Uh, no, I like, from uh, a little kid, till I was uh, a late teenager, I always had a subscription to Spider-Man. I always loved Spider-Man. And it was always like, oh, man, like, just... And I always had the feeling of leaving him alone. And I feel the same way towards towards Wally. And I, I love I love Wally. Wally is my Flash. And when you got rid of him, and then you bring him back, and then you're still like, I mean, like get around with him. I'm like, man, just give this guy what he needs. You're you're taking it away from him. He needs his wife. He needs his kids. Like, don't you have any feelings for this man? And I think that's the anger. I don't th- I don't think anger, but that's what I have against this book. But I'm I'm just gonna throw this out there. When he had the wife and the kids and all that, that's when we stopped reading Flash. 
It's when they they brought him back from the time stream and his kids were older and we read those kid books, but it wasn't wasn't what it should be. It it was the the father lecturing it was Wally lecturing his kids about being superheroes. When it's more of Wally should have been like more like, Hey, let's let's play all around with you guys being superheroes. I don't know. It's I'm going to pick up issue one of the Flash Wars. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm really coming out of this. I I am looking forward to two, especially with the, the the reveal of who the villain at the end is. Um, I do have to say the favorite thing about this book was when Wally's like, "Man, I really I do need to start getting my life together. I need to get a job. I need to get a place to live." And then it shows him in an apartment, and he's like, on the phone, he's like, "Hey." Yeah, thanks, Dick Grayson, for uh, getting me this place. And while I, and Dick Grayson's like, he's somersaulting off of a building onto another building, running and being like, "Hey, man, don't thank me. Thank Bruce for leaving his gold card in the in the Batcave." Like, I love that moment of this book. It's such a great moment between Wally and Dick. I agree. This honestly, this had everything I want from a Flash book, and this made me excited to check out Flash Horror. I'm pumped. I think I just had my own hangups with it. I didn't hate the book, but I, I, I don't know. I just feel extra defensive about Wally. And then I'll get into my other book, which is going to be Deathbed Number One. This is by Joshua Williamson, pencils by Riley Rossimo, and this is I think a new a, number one from Vertigo. Yeah, I think it's very important to point out it's from Vertigo. Because there's parts of this book that it's like, oh shit, we're Vertigo. Let's do that then. Like, let's have this character introduced on the toilet. Let's have this character naked. Like, it's uh, like an adolescent, like, no, we need to have, we need to earn that mature comic book tag. It's like, yeah, it happens, but. Uh, I didn't know this was a Vertigo book until I started typing up the show notes. So all that stuff didn't phase me. I feel like this was like an image book. Like, right. It, it, fits, it fits into any of those. And I, I think what Paul was saying was more mature reader. We're going to be a mature reader to be a mature reader. But honestly, they could have not done those things and still been the same book. Uh, yeah, yes and no. I'm going to disagree. Cause it could have been right at, the begin- right at the beginning, it's setting... Uh, the main character of Val up as this character who's just kind of struggling. She wants to be a great writer based off of the first story she wrote when she was a little kid, like won an award for like, In fourth grade. like a bull. Yeah. It was like a bullshit, like little kid story. Uh, right. But she's always just kind of chasing that dragon and you no, know, she's just a normal person who has her vices. And that's kind of like everything you're seeing on that. Like first page is just like the setup for that. Uh, honestly, I don't, I don't see that at all as being like we're going to be mature. Here's a condom. I'm like no, like she's just a person, you know. Okay, uh, I've been chasing the same kind of dragon because in fourth grade, much like Val, You're I got really straight, good at math. No, I got straight A's. It was the only year ever I got straight A's, like throughout the whole year. So I always wanted to be the best student, you know, like be smart, be a Ravenclaw person. But you know who I am. I'm not Ravenclaw. Fucking Slytherin, man. I fail at trying to be the smartest person in the room. I'm not. Yeah. 
And uh, so I feel We always bad. laugh at you when you try to be. And I Chris know. and I are always like, look at this guy. I know. It's, it's what I live with. Yeah. So I, I understand where Val's coming from. <laughs> she straights into this dragon. But Val is someone who, again, like we just said, she's she peaked at fourth grade. Yeah. And has been uh, on a downward spiral since then. Yep. And it's when her publisher and editor of a magazine finally says, listen, this guy has requested you. You need to come. He's He wants to write his legacy down before he passes away. And you need to do this. And then she's like, I don't want to do it. And finally, she does it. Because and, her publisher's like, yeah, we're going to shit can you if you don't do this. And this guy's the greatest adventurer that's ever lived. Supposedly. Antonio but, Luna. <laughs> and nobody knows anything about him uh you can look him up you can google him nobody knows anything and that's because he's kept all this stuff secret and his villains have kept it all secret because nobody they don't want anybody to know about him but this is his final his final request his deathbed wish of her to come titular line and and write and write about his his life Mm -hmm. and she comes up she shows up He's asking him a few questions. He's asking her a few questions. And then he's like, fooled you. I'm not dying. I just use this as a ploy to get my enemies to come at me, bro. There you go. And this is where Paul was like, hey, there's a lot of dick flapping around <laughs> while you shooting machine guns. Uh, and I don't think <laughs> for me, for no reason. like, because I right from the get go, I enjoyed the artwork in the book. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a great style. But I was just kind of like, OK, like, I don't care. But that's when he springs out of the bed and he's like, I lied. I hope you brought your dancing shoes, motherfuckers. I was like, all right, I'm in. He's just got me. And then, he's, and then uh, he's like killing mummy assassins. Like that. I was like, all right, sign me up. Like however many issues this is, I'm reading this book now. <laughs> what sold me on this book was Val being like, there's no fucking reason for him to say, I hope you brought your dancing shoes to a, to a squad of mummies who don't wear fucking shoes <laughs> mummies don't wear shoes she knows it she's already bought in i'm with i'm with val on this see like, i'm surprised because i didn't think paul was gonna like this i like this book a lot <laughs> it seems like too bombastic and crazy for paul it was fun bombastic and crazy like okay i think it's a, are, it's a tough line to toe you know why it's because it's val actually says it Val actually says the like that line would have broke me, just like in uh, I Heart, the first one, when he's strapping the fire hose onto himself and being like, "This isn't gonna work. This is stupid. Why am I even trying this?" Since he doubts it, it makes me buying into it because I, as the audience, am doubting it. Val doubts that he would ever say that, <laughs> and that makes the line work even more. Uh. But it is this, mummies don't wear shoes. But this is uh, but this is the thing about this character, and he's 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 this great big over the top uh, comic book character, and she's that everyday real person who's in, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. in a she, way she's, you got yeah, she's outside the weird bubble of the, you that yeah, yeah, yeah. that bought into marriage at twenty three. Um, bought in. I mean, <laughs> fell in love. And have been lived happily ever after. Yeah, that. Uh, 
she's like, no, this isn't fucking real. And it's this guy continuing to talk about how great he is. And I, I want you to write this. I want you to write my past. I want you to write my future. I want you to write up to this point because guess what? At the end of this, I'm going to motherfucking die. You know the ending. And and that's the thing is, and she, you can tell is when she gets that first splatter of blood on her face, she's like, I'm in. Then she's got to storm off for him to be like, no, come on, really, come on. No, you want to do this. I know you want to do this. Listen, I'm going to be the greatest story ever written. And then she's finally like, all right, I'm going to write this. As he's like, listen, he threatened to kill all of my family. My mansion is burning to the ground right now. It's a fire to my place. I don't care. I got like a cool sash on. And I the got... only thing that matters is my story, and you're here to tell it. Yeah. At which point, you're the only reason for me to live. Uh, I didn't have high hopes for this book, and it captured me pretty much right yeah. away with the art and the book itself. It goes from, like, weird Japanese, like, chibi art to, like, actual person art to, like, because there's one instance where she has, like, chubby red cheeks, like, when she's walking in. I think because she's blushing. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, but it's, like, almost, like, chibi I don't style. Think her, then, I don't think the art no, style no, changed. No, no, I don't see any change in any of it. I think okay. that's just, like, everything's very caricature-y. It's, I hate okay. using the word cartoony, but everything's, like, very exaggerated. Mm-hmm. Um I don't, yeah, there's not really no change to it at all. Uh, yeah, there's I there's everything about this book to love, and I didn't find anything to dislike about this book. I and again, this... oh, go ahead. Uh, I was I was going to say this was the book that Chris and I would like, and Paul would hate. And the fact that Paul walked in and was like, "That probably, be that's probably the best thing we read this mo- for two months." I was like, "Okay, Paul's <laughs> on board." Like, I, before I the show this... started. The first time the show started, not the second time. I was like, you know what? That's bad. Might have been my favorite thing I read this month. Uh, I put this book in the same family as I would something like Umbrella Academy. It's crazy. It's out there. There's a sense of fun to it, though. Yeah. But you know it's not going to end well for anybody involved in it. But it's the ride to get to that point that makes you be like, okay, I, I'm in. I'm here now. It's the guy with the thing just yelling, witness me, as he's going into his death roll. And that's interesting to me. It's it's that third act, which in comic books and comic book readers, we're, we're basically programmed and told not to look forward to. You never look forward to the third act, the end. Because we're not supposed to get it, ever. Um... But what's our next book? Our next book would be the book that you bought, Paul. Ooh. And talk about a third act for Kalik, uh, Kiwis. This is, uh, Batman. Brave and the Bold. Brave and the Bold. Oh, no. No Batman. It's Brave and the Bold. Issue number one featuring Batman and Wonder Wonder Woman. Uh, and this is by Liam Sharp. Art by Liam Sharp as well, right? I don't have loading the book right now. I'm sorry, but this is uh, a story of the uh, the Gaelic, the Celtic gods are basically coming back to the Gaelic. Yes, you were right. Liam Liam Sharp for both written and pencils by. Uh, This is the uh, Gaelic uh, 
God's coming back to the world of men looking for help in the form of Wonder Woman because uh, they, what, Teradadon? Nog? Uh, the world that they escaped to, the realm that they escaped to, is now slowly falling apart because it's a prison, because they're no longer connected to the world of man. And uh, reaching out to Wonder Woman, and apparently in Gotham. I didn't know Gotham had an Irish district. Why wouldn't they? Yeah, I mean, it seems like it would. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, you remember when we were in our early 20s looking for looking for hero clicks? Mm-hmm. Maybe it was you. Maybe it was you and me. It was me and Chris, and we went to this one comic book shop that they had it. And then I found out later that we were in Kaisertown. Hey, I saw you down in Kaisertown, and I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, but Kaisertown's German? No, I know, but I didn't know we had a Kaisertown. I just went to a comic book shop in Buffalo. Okay, yeah, it's Kaisertown, the German area. But it's Old First Ward, Irish area. You know it's the Irish area because we fucking put it up signs in Gaelic. <laughs> and... But- that's a real city that has a Kaiser and town got, and an old first word with the and Irish. And then you got which is fucking Polish real. Yeah, exactly. So why wouldn't Gotham have these things? It's called Kaiser Town. What? Called you said Kaiser, Kaiser town. town. Yeah. Oh, I was back in college. I said Kaiser Town. Said why Kaiser get town. out of here? I was Chris, trying to be. No, Chris doesn't want any distractions. Get out. I was trying to agree with Paul. Yeah, but you're trying to agree somebody, with your husband. Anyway, every this time somebody tries book, to agree with me, they agree with somebody else. This fucking book. Uh, this book is interesting, though bogged down by too much juxtaposition. Uh, not juxtaposition. Uh, what is it? Explaining what the book exposition. is. Exposition. Exposition. Thank you. We've been drinking a lot. We have. We the we've got a lot yeah. in our. Exposition. Way too much exposition. All, like, squarely put on the shoulders of uh, the shepherd, which is the god of fertility and and peace and who has been... Who's the, the, like, cousin of Pan. He's a cousin of Pan, but he's also been the person in charge of keeping the peace peace for all of these Irish gods who went to the other island. It's like in Lord of the Rings when all the elves leave. Mm -hmm. This is where they went to. I get that reference. Yeah. (laughs) So they're in Tir Danag and uh, with Tul Danan and the the other group that I'm forgetting in the Fate Folk over in uh, they all left our realm, man's realm. And since they've been imprisoned they're all for so long. They're, mm-hmm. And they're also losing power because they're no longer connected to the realm of men. And they're getting they're getting crazy. They're getting uh, cabin fever, and they want to branch out. They want to go back to where they where they mm-hmm. were. And this is where this character and Wonder Woman have come in to save to, to figure out the mystery. The thing that this book does not need is Batman. Yeah. Yeah. The Batman stuff is all the worst things of this book. How this writer writes Batman is the worst. And I have it open to the page because it says, like, Wayne Manor, Gotham City. And Alfred Alfred comes in and is like, oh, you never use those weights unless you're upset. And he's like, um, I'm in a bad mood. Look at the Irish ward. And then he's like, they're all like, look at them. They look haunted. 
They look haunted. They look terrified. They're not terrified, Alfred, you idiot. They're haunted. And then he goes to the city, and then he's like, hey, man, what's your problem? To a guy on the street, the guy's like, and then he sees something, and he's like, right, they're terrified, not haunted. It's the absolute worst thing ever, ever, to, like, page. It's so bad. But the stuff that was good was the Wonder Woman stuff with this god and how she, when she's laying in bed with Steve Trevor and how she shows respect to this god, even though she's not one of her pantheon, she shows respect to this god. She knows what's up. And the fact that she's going with him into this world is the most interesting thing because it is these Irish gods and Irish folktale that she's walking into and showing respect to. Mm -hmm. Then you have this stuff that just makes total bullshit. Even with the guy who believes that he's a, uh, a druid and he knows where they go. And then they're like, well, he does know where they're going. Mm -mm -mm, He's not going there. Wait, at the very end? No, Patrick like the Saint. quarter of the end of the book with the guy, the bum, the bum. who's like, Patrick St. John. Oh, I'm Peter Chuck John, and Molly kicked me out of me house. But I believe the fairy folk live in this bramble. It's bad. It's not great. It's not it's great. It's not great. Uh, I didn't read this book, <laughs> but I was able to flip through it a few times as you guys were talking about it. Uh-huh. Um... The artwork's fantastic, except for anything that has to do with Batman. Which I don't makes know. Me feel Alfred like, looks no, good. Alfred looks okay. Okay. But it makes me feel like the Batman stuff was just kind of shoehorned in. It's like, oh, wait, we yeah. have to put Batman in this book, too? Okay. Let me go back and just, like, knock out these pages real yeah. quick. Yeah. Um, I agree. Because even, I, like, I the page of... Uh, it's towards the end, but it's, like, Batman standing with his back, and he's, like, he's seeing, like, the shades, like, the ghost. That, that page just looks bad, and I know this guy can do like great artwork. I know how he knows he knows how to draw dudes because he's drawing like this god, and there's like the dead king guy or whatever. Mm-hmm. But Batman just proportionately like it looks so off. I really like how he draws the the cowl on his head mm-hmm. with like these really sleek lines that go back and are angular. I do like the way he draws the character design. Batman. Yeah, the character design of Batman. I feel like uh, nitpicky, but I feel like the bat's way too big on his chest. That's I, as big. That's is the same size that Batman and the Signal have. Like the signal. I feel like it's better signal. looking there, though. I feel like mm-hmm. it's proportionally. It somehow works better. Um, but it's the character design of that Irish god that I went, man. This guy can draw because he does look good. And even like the the one page where he has him like in shadow, mm-hmm. and he's talking like yeah, yeah, it yeah. just looks really good. Uh, Liam Sharp, he, like he's one of those guys. I w- I would love to see him in something like a Sandman book where he can tell like oh, that man. Celtic. Like, well, he even myth. says there's a little line in there like I know we came here and we dream of the endless, which I thought oh, was really? a yeah. I think that's a nod. Okay, yeah, no, that's perfect. I didn't see that. Yeah, and the, well, again, the I, I just, first I, I two pages. Yeah, uh, I think they paid. Okay, even to sorry, it. going through it. Even okay. Steve Trevor looks kind of weird in some of the panels he's in. Mm-hmm. Like when they're laying in bed, like he looks like a cancer patient. No offense. Well, he's, he's like so gaunt. He has him. He has him drawn like somebody who is full of muscle and no fat. 
and that's and that's I think where he's drawing these superheroes from, where even like Wonder Woman doesn't have that. Wonder Woman has a nice kind of womanly physique to her. Um, but yeah, I oh, think the art character. is the yeah. best thing that's out of this good. book. I would never pick up issue two because of if it was just Wonder Woman through this book and it wasn't any Batman, mm-hmm. I would pick up issue two because the crimes that the thing that she is there to do and with the, the king being killed at the end and and who's who who's done it kind mm-hmm. of side of this her working with these Irish yeah. gods and fairy folk, that is the most interesting part. But I know that Batman's going to be a big lead into this, and that was the worst part of this book. Everything about Batman, his mm-hmm. dialogue, what he did, when he just accosts a man on the street who's looking <laughs> like four What Lord. you see? <laughs> yeah. It's like, holy Tell shit. Tell me about the rabbit. This is the worst thing about this book. Are you haunted or terrified? I have to solve that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a man with a comb over that's testing my patience it's the stupidest thing ever and and that's where this book really falls when paul described this book in our last episode is the book that he was looking forward to it's brave and the bold i see it as that brave and the bold team up book but this is this is batman solving this mystery in gotham and wonder woman and the fairy folk and how are they going to meet it but doesn't it doesn't like, need to meet I, that way. I, I like that we're all doing that. <laughs> yeah, I did it because you did it. <laughs> it doesn't feel like a Batman story at all, and he's just like he, going to be yeah. shoehorned into it. If it was, if it was, if it was Wonder Woman and the right. nomad, the, the 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 druid doing that search, and then all of a sudden Constantine walking in and being like, "Hey, you're right. Let's get in there." Yeah. And then Constantine the bum druid also in the fairy folk with that Batman doesn't belong with magic and this world. It, it really feels so, as you said, shoehorned in. I see this being as more instead of like a six issue miniseries because I just looked it up. That's what's going to be. I see this more as something that like would work as a prestige format graphic novel. Like, Put this all out, hardbound. Yeah. It doesn't need to be like completely oversized. It doesn't have to be like 100 pages or anything. But tell the story in just like one solid volume, and then I think it, it carries more uh, weight. Uh, if you were going to take set, Batman out of it. if you, Yeah, take Batman out of it, then you could do it in that prestige. Because that, that, be, yeah. that would be super interesting, having Wonder Woman interacting with these different... Like gods, like yeah, yeah, it's different yeah. paragraphs. Have it be part of a series. Have it like you know, Celtic, have it Egyptian. Like that would be a great series. Like that would <laughs> that would be something I would want to check out each one of those volumes then because you know what I might not like the Celtic stuff, but oh man, yeah. if she's like palling around with Bast and like the Egyptian gods in volume two, like that one could be yeah. really cool. Like have it be a creator spot, like different artists like handling each one like that would be cool yeah it should be something that actually fits into wonder man wonder woman series yeah yeah or not even wonder woman series but i agree 100 percent with this i I do too but i'm saying a a prestige volume for every different types of a of uh paragon uh, of uh pantheon you know give it its own like limited run yeah be like the Irish 
the Irish the circle. The Irish gods. The, the Egyptian the gods. Egyptian like, circle. The, Asian, the uh, Japanese circle. Yeah. Like. Uh, I agree. I There was enough to this book to be like, hey, this should be really good. But then there was also enough to this book to be like, oh, this is really crappy. And and that's where this book kind of lays. It lays in, in, in limbo where if it was just the Wonder Woman side, it'd be a really good book. But because this writer chose to put Batman in it and write Batman extremely poorly, it's a bad book. Uh, Chris, did you see that uh, Earth One Green Lantern is going to be coming out this year? Um, I remember seeing something about it, but I didn't see when it was coming out. I remember seeing like some preview artwork. Yeah, it's going to be coming out, uh, I think, in a few months. Uh, looks pretty interesting. Looks like they're going to do a good job. Yeah, I mean, I picked <laughs> up most of the other ones. I still haven't grabbed Earth One Batman Volume Two, but we didn't I mean, care. For, I, we didn't care I, for that we, series we at all. But uh, what, crap! What was the one that we read that was like, "Oh God, this is terrible. Why would we do this?" Uh, the Teen Titan stuff. Well, I like Titans One. Volume One was okay. Titans was Two was two, bad. Though. Yeah. Oh, is Wonder Wonder Woman is what we really disliked. And that will well, become. I think there was so much writing on that one. Um, I don't. I wouldn't mind going back at some point to check out too, but Superman's the clear winner of all of those graphic novels. Like those have been consistently good. Yeah. Uh, Earth two because Batman Earth Earth or Earth one. Earth. Yeah. They stopped that, right? But let's let's get something into that hits our childhood and that seems Ooh. very nineties. Ooh, oh, yes. that's going to take us over to our Marvel books because we have two different X-Men books Rogue and Gambit number one was the first one that kind of mm. popped up uh, when I went back into my app. So let's talk about Rogue and Gambit number one. Uh, this is written by I, I would consider her one of our favorites because we keep going back to uh, books written by Kelly S. Thompson. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with art by uh, Pierre Perez, and this is uh, Rogue and Gambit together again. Uh, they're come and go. You know, you don't mm-hmm. always see them together, but when you do, you know sparks are flying. And they're being sent on a mission together uh, to a resort island that mutants are going to for therapy, but then they're just blinking out of existence. So Kitty sends Rogue and Gambit there because it's believable that they go because there's so much, like, drama between them. It it seems like, yeah, like these are people that would have problems that would go to therapy. And Mm -hmm. right on their way, well, even before like they're on their way there, when you're seeing them (laughs) in the danger room, which boom, yeah, 90s X-Men, they're they're having problems. I love that Gambit even complains like, really? Sentinels in the danger room again? Like, he calls it out right away. But Again, that was the thing, though. Having Storm in the control center, having <laughs> the team together fighting uh, Sentinels in the danger room, it made me feel like, okay, like Sean said, this is so 90s X-Men that I felt at home here, even though I like weave in and out of the X-Men books so much over the years where like I'll pick something up and I, I dig it or I want to read more of it. I just never stick around in this family of titles. Mm-hmm. I had no problem jumping into this one, like unlike the other one, uh, which we'll talk about next. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm opposite we'll, of you, Chris. We'll get, we'll get there. We'll um, get there. 
I I like all of these characters. I mean, Gambit's always been one of my favorite X-Men, even though I might not see everything he's in. As soon as I see Gambit, I'm like, oh, like I can't wait to see see this dude operating. Love Rogue. You get a little bit of Kitty Pride. Uh, it, it's a great character story though that ends on a cliffhanger yeah. that makes me be like, okay, like I do want to see number two now. You get like what a page of Kitty Pride though with her shirt haircut. Yeah, but just when, a- uh, when Rogue's like, why don't you use Colossus go? She's like, ah, no. <laughs> She's got married, folks. I don't even know where Colossus is. Does he have powers? Does she have powers? I don't even know. Uh, they do, and they were just married. Mm. I do love Rogue and Remy being those star-crossed lovers where they can, they like each other, but they can't be together. And the, and like there is and, the history of the fact that they were together where mm-hmm. she was able to or she lost her powers or she was able to be touched and not absorb those and they have that history and you still have all that history for the last 20 years and Remy still doesn't give a fuck that he can't touch her yeah. he's like no you yeah because you are the woman that's for me can we just pause for a second and be like Kids of the eighties slash nineties, where like we were that think cartoon. I ever stop being okay, uh, but we can all agree that Rogue was the hottest of that character group in that Fox animated series, right? Like we can all agree, like oh, there was Jean Grey, there was Jubilee, but yeah. Rogue, Rogue, yeah, I think you said it one time on this podcast, like Rogue's it. I want her to make me biscuits and gravy. That's it. Yeah. Oh, country girl. Uh, and I can't touch her? Uh, like, that was your big thing. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for admitting that it was big. It was big. <laughs> Whatever. Back to this book. You said it, not me. Uh, back to this book. You took more than me. Okay. Go ahead and drink more of that beer, John. I was hoping you were talking about the beer. I was. But, uh, I I actually came out enjoying this book more than I thought I was going to. I originally like had this on my pick for the list because it's Rogue and Gambit. They're two great X-Men that go great together. It's the peanut butter and chocolate of the X-Men universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big story, I don't care about. I don't want to know about these people yeah. that are going missing. Awesome. Kelly Thompson does such a great job of writing these two characters that as I was reading, I was thinking like, man, I'm getting so much more relationship stuff from them in these 22 issues than I feel like I ever got in all of the other X-Men books that I read because it's always just something that was there. And like, you would have Rogue be like, ah, you can't sugar. But then like, okay, they're moving on. Like they're, they're fighting Sentinels. They're playing baseball, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like now I'm actually seeing a relationship. Yeah, the whole story, I'm like, no, bullshit, 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 get together. Bullshit, 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 get together. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Come on, come on, get together. You're sitting together on an airplane. Remy, how aren't you scared as fuck? <laughs> because every time I'm on an airplane, I'm scared as fuck. Uh, yeah. I'm cool, mon ami. <laughs> like, Maybe. just show your vulnerability. Let Rogue in to your heart. But here's Let the thing in. is, 
he has to be that, that big. because she is she is the shields up. No way, sir. You're not getting this is a line in the sand. You better not cross it. And then he's like, eh, shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. I'm getting closer to the line. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. <laughs> I'm right at the line. I'm leaning over the line. And it, she's like, it works do better or like not. It carries cards. I like it. Yeah, shuffle, cards. Uh, I like it, Chris. Good job. See, when you said I... shuffle, I imagine him there like shuffling cards. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you're like, to the line. I was like, oh, yeah, that works too. So, what? These are two characters that we, I think, when, our yeah. first time we did like a Valentine's Day oh, yeah. show, mm-hmm. this was the greatest couple of comic book history to us because no. of how we grew we've been up sh- with these characters. Oh, we've been shipping them before there was a word for shipping. <laughs> uh, thing, I I'm glad Chris that. got me on that because I'm uh, like, that's true. Yeah, shipping. Because uh, that's I the thing. I want to throw now. it over to the artwork really quick, too, because. Nice. I, I love the art in this book. Uh, so much of this is character-driven that it's just, like, literally them, like, walking down a beach or talking on a plane. Yeah. But the the action scenes are really cool. Uh, Pierre Perez, Perry Perez, I'm not sure of the pronunciation, does a great job with expressions, too. Like, just flipping through the book again and just looking at people as they're talking, there's some great little, like, facial tics that Gambit has in there. Like when he's talking to Storm and he's like making fun of the fact that they have the the Sentinels in there, he's mm-hmm. just like Ugh. like you, you can you can hear his tone of voice based on that basis. Like when Rogue gets pinned by the Sentinel, like this is such a, a great looking book too. Uh I definitely want to pick up number two. Uh definitely this is Hugs at my 90s kid heartstrings. It's the two characters that they have to be together, but they can't, can't be, together. be together. And the fact that in the 2000s, they made them together and kind of took them out of continuity. They were going to go off on their own and then all of a sudden brought back in. It would have been, if this, if that hadn't happened, if they hadn't had that, like, hey, we're going to ride off into the sunset together. I would be happy with those two doing that, mm-hmm. but getting this book, it's like, hey, it's kind of good that they didn't do that. I like it. I just want them to be get together. So what, Paul? I just want them to be together so much. Uh, yeah, sorry. and that's the thing is like they are together, but they aren't, and it's always it should always kind of be the, the both of them wanting it, but the one using their head and the one using their heart. Excuse your heart. Use your heart, people. Just love things like the sphere. In another another collaboration of two people coming together, and that would be Dancing Gnome and Drunk Astronaut. We have our fourth and final beer. You didn't tell me about this. Nope. It's because because I, I was like, I finished my beer. Was it another Dancing Gnome, Drunk Astronaut, and they are creating Beyond Infinity. Uh, and it's a great Beyond Infinity is the cloud smoke coming out of the rocket ship. It's being piloted by a crazy looking gnome and a dolphin sitting behind him, pretty much going like, you don't know where you're driving. Oh, like the Disney ride, uh, the Astro something. 
Yes. When you're up on but the this top. Astro Orbiter. Yeah, the Astro Orbiter. But that. this is another great Thanks, New Chris. England style IPA. This is good, but this is more of that West Coast pine. You get a great mangoiness. I don't it. get mango. I get All smell time. this beer. Smell it. You get mango. I have a cold. How dare you, sir? I can't smell anything. Okay, there is mango. There's mango. There's mango. It's mango. Yeah, but there is some kind profile. of there is some drier mouth out with it towards mm-hmm. the end, and that works great with this beer. Hear how John always says whatever I taste isn't right. Okay. I gave you the credit of the pininess drying at the end, but it is fruit-forward mango on the front. In those, but on flavor? I, I get, get mango. mango. Okay, I'm not getting it. I'm getting all pine. I'm getting all... I get that towards the back. Brightness. It's, it's good. bright. You can't I, say I'm pine and bright in the same thing, because no, that's not the same thing. Uh, Christmas is a bright in piney season, no. sir. No. No. Just wait. Just wait. Because I have I have my second Chris when we go to... Like, you have your there. second Chris? I have my second Chris. <laughs> oh, guess what, Chris? You've been replaced by a second Chris. Second Chris, which is Max. We'll be like, hey, did you have uh, did you have Beyond Infinity? And he's going to be like, yeah. And be like, get pine? And he's like, no, mango, man. Not getting... Well, I'm a little stuffed up right now. So maybe uh, Why did I share this with you. I'm loving it for its piney richness. <laughs> it's mango. How dare I love it for something else than what you love it for. Wife, come here. <laughs> I don't know if that will work, but if it does, I will bow to you, sir. Please come here. <laughs> you have five. Oh, shit. You I gotta bow to me and again, we're divorced. <laughs> Smells like mango. <laughs> Take a sip, though. Does it taste piney? Does it taste piney at all? It's a little dry at the back end, right? No pine. I will give Paul a little bit, because sometimes mango, you get a pine with mango, but maybe he's just tasting mango and thinks it's pine. I like that he's bowing, and then my dog's like licking the back of his head. He looks like he's doing a Muslim prayer, Dude, and then my, my dog is licking him. I don't know what he's doing. Are you bowing down? I am bowing. Play by play, John is currently giving Paul a wedgie, like pulling him up full on. He's doing a somersault! He flipped him over! Oh my gosh. And now my dog is face raping him. <laughs> okay. But our next book! <laughs> Alright, let's get All up right. to, Come on, to Paul. a podcast bomb. Well, you had to say that, because otherwise I wasn't allowed to get up. Uh, it's a great juice bomb. It's a juice and bomb! I don't... Not a pine bomb. No pine. Next, wow. book. No pine. Next, Next book. Next book. Final book. <sighs> ends uh, with X. Ends. It ends with an X. And this is X-Men Red number one, written by Tom Taylor with art by Mahmoud Asar. Uh... Jean Grey's back, and she's leading her own team of X-Men that are traveling the world to save young mutants in danger. Uh, with Nightcrawler, Namor, Wolverine, another mutant I don't know named Honey Badger, who's like Wolverine. She must, she must I don't know. Wolverine X-20, books. X-23, because uh, it's 
it's the mm-hmm. younger female Wolverine. Uh, it's like his X or her X twenty three basically, where she's like telling around with a uh, honey badger. Uh, I didn't dislike this book, but I didn't read the Phoenix Return or Phoenix Re- Resurrection mm-hmm. book. Um, I just went into this being like, oh, it's an X Men book. They'll tell me what's kind of going on. There's really no catch up in this one either. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, think- I didn't just like it. I like the team. I just I kind of wanted a little bit more exposition. Really, the thing I didn't yeah. the thing I didn't get about this book is it's it's Jean Grey, and it's a Jean Grey that we've known that's been in and out of continuity, mm-hmm. and it's Jean Grey going to Namor, like when Jean Grey was in the teams and when she was out Panther. of the teams, Namor, Namor wasn't. He wasn't a team member. He wasn't somebody that they would go to, or right. she would think to and go she to. She wouldn't have gone to Chilla either. Like back when, like before Dark Phoenix happened, because that's what you're assuming, right? Like Dark Phoenix saga. They have both no, that you love. Of, no, yeah, even in the '90s. In the yeah, '90s, like, when she was around, and like even in with um, Grant Morrison's X Men when he's in leather yeah, leather yeah. suits, and she dies, and psych or uh, Wolverine cuts off Magneto's head. Sorry, yeah. Uh, that character then again wouldn't go to Namor. Yeah, but she wouldn't have gone to T'Challa either. Like T'Challa. This is T'Challa. I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh. I, I'm saying that she's playing a different angle. It's yeah, an angle did, that, to me, that why she would doesn't she go to those characters because she thank you. Like, I don't know what happened in the like the Phoenix Returns book or mm-hmm. Resurrection. I'm sorry, I don't know the name of it. But yeah, she seems awfully up on things for being out of it for a while. Does it or does? It why se- are they so like eager to like help her? Or does it seem like she she does she hasn't existed in this universe for at least like probably. Five to ten years. Yeah, she. Okay, I don't know want to say she been, hasn't existed, but she's been away. Like she, Phoenix, she's has, been dead. She's been dead. Yeah, and the Phoenix turn. came and it empowered mm-hmm. a bunch of people, and then like almost destroyed the world. Yeah, name her one of them. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, but so that's the fucking Phoenix, afraid. That's the Phoenix power. Shit. It's not Jean Grey. But are they separating that? Are they like? Well, how would they know that she's the Dark Phoenix? Exactly, they no, <laughs> might not know. So they're like, yeah, whatever. But they, you want, them dude. helping her out seems like, oh, hey, you've been around for years. We know who you are. Yes, we will de- help you. Weren't you dead for a while? Hey, are you alive again? Right, recognizing a mutant, you civilization, a mutant country. Like, on its own. Yeah, that kind of makes sense to us. So it takes the pressure off of us. This is the Paulist of Paul books. It, it is. It, it is. It might be my favorite. <laughs> because I... Guys, raise your hand if you were part of Model UN during high school. We didn't oh, have one. Only me? We, I don't, yeah. we weren't invited <laughs> to Model UN. <laughs> so, like, this book, I'm like, yeah, it's fucking animation. Yeah. I would have played it the exact same way as Jean Grey's playing it right now. Like, for the model unit. Uh, this is basically Jean Grey inviting the United Nations to recognize a mutant state without a country banner. 
Like, and she gets it done. Because she has well, two friends. Then. Does she get it done? Because that lady's fucking yeah. head explodes. She gets it done. The fucking head explodes because... And then she's like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Cartoon runs away, like, leaving a cloud of her... Of herself yeah. running because away. that's what's fun about this book. Because that's the, not fun. Yeah, because you get the the hero in gray and also the villain Casanova. Is that I, the fun I, of this book? Yes, because you get to set you set up the pro and the con, who you're rooting for and who you're rooting against. It's great. No, the the fun for this book uh, for me was seeing Nightcrawler just do stuff again. And I, <laughs> I, I, I liked uh, I liked Wolverine. I liked Honey Badger. Um, I, it's not that I dislike Jean Grey. Mm-hmm. I like seeing her back. It's just this book just really throws you into things. And as that lapsed X-Men and for the most part, Marvel reader, when she's talking to T'Challa, I'm like, why, why are they interacting? Like, what's their relationship here and now? Because she literally just came back from the dead and he's already like, hey, I'm a, I'm a king. Let's chat. And then Namor, like, why would he have anything to do with her? As because well? she can. He, because it's it's last they seen, he controls the Phoenix Force, which can basically change the power structure of the world. But I don't think she has the Phoenix Force. Yeah, she but that doesn't great. mean that they don't know that. But I like the, the bizarre thing about this is like she's talking to all these people. She's going to Turkey. She's going to Pakistan. She's going yeah. to East Timor. She's going to Wakanda. And See, then she's X-Men talking. Back up she's talking Disney to she's Fantastic talking to this Four. group of people who are an audience with her talking to Black Panther as he's standing in his costume. But they're in a fucking classroom. It doesn't make any sense. It make, look at this. It's stupid looking. No, it doesn't. It's like a guy wearing a cardigan sweater and a lady wearing a dress suit and a guy just like standing there. It's a whole classroom full of just average people and she's dressed normal and then a dude walks into a classroom <laughs> dressed as a panther. He's dressed like the king. He's dressed as the king no, of the when, panthers. What? When, when he's at the UN, Paul, then you see him dressed as the king of Wakanda because he's right. wearing like a, a suit and like a head. Then he seconds. He looks classy there. He seconds it's, the recognition of the mutant state. It, it's faulted, Paul. It's, she has no reason to go with them besides like, oh, these are two people that I kind of know. That are heads of state. state. These, are, these are heads of state yeah. in, in the Marvel they Universe. Have, they they have recognized no by the UN. They have no reason to be like, yeah, okay. Cool. She gives them a reason. That's the whole point of our meeting with them. This is my favorite book as a book that we... <laughs> the only thing that that's great about this ben book... Deathbed. The only thing great about this book, and I do... I like this more than most of the books that we read. And then Thrawn. But X-Men Red number two, for some reason, it shows the cover, and Nightcrawler has a beard in it. Yeah. And I, I was that. like, that blue fur grows? Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because they're exiled at that point. Because they're... they're People without a country that just got a country. But they have a. They place. don't have a country. <laughs> he just got a country during that vote. Is he paying rent at like uh, uh, the park they're in paying, New York like, City? Under, well, yeah, they're doing that, but then they're living under the sea because they came up with the name Seaboro. <laughs> yeah. For that's it. Awesome. Where they're taking. <laughs> I the love fun. It, it's not awful. a bad book. I, I did like it for how negative I'm being. I know it's coming across. 
Super uber negative, but it's just it's stupid in spots. Uh, Chris, we're done reviewing these books. <laughs> okay. Let us then give me your top three. Yeah, books. there's too many for me to do like a top. Yeah, top, top anything. Top three. Um, I would say Deathbed number one. Boom. Thrawn number two. Boom. Uh, Rogue and Gambit number three. Boom. Uh, you just did mine. I was <laughs> trying to vape some time while Paul went to go to the bathroom, but yeah, those are my same ones. No, I. <clears throat> um, if I had, I mean, if I had to continue on online, I'd pick Flash Annual. It's my number four. It it made me want to check out the the Flash War book that or miniseries, whatever yeah. it is that's coming out. Like, what, if I num- hadn't read this, I just would have seen that as being like another Flash thing that was happening, probably. Uh, all right, you're number five then. Uh, oh gosh, um, I'd say Batman and the Signal. Okay. Because I, I care more about Duke Thomas than I do Jean Grey. Uh, so X-Men Red would be my number six. Uh, X-Men Red would probably be my number five. I'm, I'm, I'm following you completely up <laughs> into number five. So okay. Paul, Deathbed, number one. Number two. So what did you say? Because I agreed with you. Uh, I, had, I had Thrawn. Thrawn. Number three. What did you say? Rogan Gambit. Rogan Gambit. Number four. Sideways? Are you asking me or Paul? I'm asking you because I don't remember anything. I'm drunk right now. <laughs> oh, okay. Because I said you, you agree. I agree with everything, but I don't uh, remember anything. My number four was Flash Annual. Flash oh, Annual. Flash. Number five, Chris's was... Batman Signal. Mine was X-Men Red. Yeah. Paul, your number, your top five. Okay. We are going to do top three, okay. but it took too long. Five. Okay. Number five would have been Roden Gambit. Eh. Oh, I'm wrong. Number four. Oh, oh number like, five? Yeah, number five. You're doing, you, start five. you start at number one and then you go down. I went bottom of the bills. Are you going to give you a wedgie again? Apparently so. It. Don't flip it. Don't flip it? No, number, oh, you're number one up top. Okay, number one up top. I have to go with X Men Red. I enjoyed it. It's a it's a team that's a I, Paul book. It's such a Paul book. It's a team that I always wanted for the X Men, and it's the X Men doing what the X Men does, which is like gathering up all the mutants that don't know they're mutants because they're babies. Because they're babies, babies. Baby mutants. I had Beastmaker. And they got the UN. And I was part of the UN during I had Beastmaker, a a necklace for your baby in 30 (laughs) seconds from when I found your baby cries a lot and Uh was a mutant cry. And don't worry, it comes in any color you want. Because fashion is important. book is stupid. Stupid. (laughs) It's better than half of what we read. Yeah, it's... We can can still say it's better than half the stuff we read, but it can still be stupid. Stupid. (laughs) You're number one. That was number one. Stupid. Because it's it's the X-Men book that I expect every X-Men book to be, and then... Convoluted and bullshit. Got it. And a lot of times... Paul, what's your number two? My number two would actually be Thawne. Uh, X, uh, the Star Wars X, uh, Star Wars, not X-Men, Star Wars Thawne. This was that our number two? Yep, that was our number that two. That was our number two. My number three 
would be Braven the Bolt. I get the fuck out of here! I like the Celtic mythology. I read a lot of Celtic mythology during my teenager years with uh, Dean Llewellyn. Uh, it's like the Tool de Dan, uh, the Beast of the, the Hound of Ulster. Like, it's playing into that and giving me a different mythology with the new gods and the old gods. Like, I enjoy it. <laughs> that is a good book. That is a good beer. Uh, so, yeah, my number three. What was your what? number four? My number four would be The Death of Giles. No, we haven't read that yet. When that book is Giles, and it's the lead-up. It's the start oh. of Giles. So you're totally wrong again, Paul. Like, everything on this podcast. Yep. I'm buying time. Uh, you're totally wrong, too, John, because it's Giles brought back to life as a teenager today. Ooh, like that one episode. Oh, that sounds awful, then. I'm glad I didn't read it. I am pretty awful. Oh, number four. Number four, I will go with Star Wars... Well, have you forgotten right. about how we walked in and was like, Deathbed was one of my favorite books, and now oh, it's yeah. not even in your top four? <laughs> oh, Deathbed was probably number one. Then. Yeah, because Deathbed Bro, was Death our number Bed, one. He just said Deathbed was number one. <laughs> okay, so there we go. Deathbed number one, X-Men Red number two, Thrawn number three, number four was what bullshit did you say? <laughs> was the other Raven Star Wars book. Raven the Bold. Raven the Bold. Number five. number five would be the other... Star Wars book. The other Star Wars book. DJ. Okay. Oh my god. You like that more than Rogue and Gambit? Yeah. I didn't like Rogue and Gambit. Rogue and Gambit, the one thing I did have to say is when it wasn't about Rogue and Gambit, I didn't care. So when it was following those people on those island being killed, you needed that to know that they were going into a threat. But I was like, fuck those people. They deserve to die. Rogue and Gambit. It's just one page of that, though. There was... I know, but it was one page too many. But that's our thought. If you've read these books and you think anything different, <laughs> and you haven't us, drunk as much as we have, find us over. Oh my god, we drank so much, Paul. Find us over. This the last beer we had was eight point two. Find us over on our Facebook. Find us over on our. Oh, you son of a bitch! He's taking the last bit out of that can. Find us over on our website. Chris puts a lot of effort into. Putting up those show notes. Thank you, Chris. Right. You're welcome. Rate and review us on the iTunes. Or, too. or anywhere you listen to us, because we're on multiple different sites. That's true. SoundCloud, Overcast, uh, Podcast Addict. That's where I listen to us Ooh. now. That's not true, because I spent a lot of time editing these episodes, and I don't need to hear us again, but I, I have I us that. on I don't there. Do it ever. But thank you very much for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, And do whatever I said previous.